Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Tottenham Hotspur disappointed us this weekend in a 1-0 defeat to Brighton and Hove Albion. We will talk about it. We will get into it. But lot to look ahead to still in this race for the top four. I've got the Todd father alongside me at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, what's going on, my friend? You know, any day that you get together and you get to get together and, and have a conversation about your favorite football club is a good day. Um, even when they cruelly break your fucking heart at 4.30 in the morning. What the shit was that? I literally put in more effort than it felt like that team did yesterday. Yeah, I at least got my coffee in. It was an early, early start uh, on a Saturday morning. Um, well, didn't appreciate the the lackluster effort for it being that early for, for us West Coasters. Not great. Um, but... Uh, that's the way it goes sometimes it feels like and and, and i think that's a, a point that we do we will come on to about these right. early starts and it seems like a theme but uh shuban is also with us he is at the real shuban what's going on shoops um just echo toss yeah thoughts really um great to be challenged first thank you well by the way all the people from the depot that wish me happy birthday very kind of you and um yeah let's try and not to um go too potato on our, our, you know on this podcast no i hear you shuban is uh, another year wiser i'm not going to say older he's another year wiser as of this week right. and uh yes he had a he had a wonderful birthday um guys let's let's kind of just dive right into this match um and talk about it because we learned earlier in the week first of all we learned a lot of things during the week we learned that that uh you know antonio conte had covid uh got over the covid was able to, to 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 coach in the match, which is is good. Glad that he's doing well. Um, we also learned, and this is something that we discussed last week about the the injury to Matt Doherty, and and we weren't sure that it was going to be good news. And sure enough, not good news. Matt Doherty out for the season uh, after the tackle uh, last week, and you know this means uh, Sergio Reguilón comes in at left back, Emerson Royale plays at right. The rest of the lineup really looks the same as it as it has looked um you know I, I guess that for me is kind of the starting point in this match i guess is talking just about matt, the matt darty of it all which i didn't think would be a, a talking point todd <laughs> at this point in the season is the the you know the loss of matt darty um and and i don't think it specifically goes to this um exact match per se but i feel like matt darty is a loss right Absolutely, Matt Darty is a loss. And I think the reason why is because um, Conte had a team bedded in and we felt comfortable, right? Um, the second thing is, is we absolutely missed Matt Darty in this match when you had Reggie on flash at the back post with a beautiful ball and he couldn't fucking finish because Reggie doesn't finish that type of ball. Matt Darty finishes that type of ball. And so we missed that. The other thing is, is that um, we... We miss the poise of Doherty. You say what you want to say about the guy, but he doesn't he doesn't flinch a lot. And I appreciate that. And I think Conte appreciates that. And we definitely flinched in this match. 
Yeah, it did feel like there was a flinch for sure, especially, um, you know, what would you say in the 90th minute about? <laughs> that oh, seemed like a flinch to me. Buddy. Um, but I guess, Shuban, what are your thoughts on the Darty injury? It does feel like not a devastating thing, but it feels like uh, kind of more of a heartbreaking thing for the guy because he was really just starting to come on and 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 come into his own. And this is a guy who dealt with, you know, really kind of being frozen out of the team by you know, not only by Josie Mourinho to an extent, but also by almost a little bit by his own former coach in Nuno early in the season where he just wasn't getting the time of day and wasn't getting the performances. And then all of a sudden in the last, I'd say month or so he's, he's come on and and now for, for his season to end like that and, you know, for it to be kind of reflected on the field and in, in the play of the wingbacks, um, I don't know. It just kind of stinks, right? It does. It does. I mean, you know, with him, it's been because I think I think Total can confirm it, but I think the season before he joined us, only Trent Alexander Arnold had more assists yeah. than yeah. Um, um, Mandotti did. But then, obviously, Jose was playing a four-three-three, so we were asking him to play as a as a fullback rather than as a wingback. And then, obviously, Jose goes. We then bring in Nuno eventually, and you're thinking, okay, well, Jose's going to Nuno plays, you know, back back five. He'll do that. He doesn't. He's he continues with his four three three, and then I don't think. And then obviously, when obviously Conte comes in in November, I don't know if he's injured, but he doesn't really play a lot of games. I think he's still oscillating between like Tanganga, um, Royale, and Darty. A lot of times, Darty's playing out on the left, um, which is where he actually got injured. But it's been unfortunate. But you know what? It, football's a really cruel mistress. Yeah, you know, life can be very cruel. I mean. I'm reading this great book and about one player who basically the car overturned and that cost him his spot at the World Cup. He was his England captain, who was meant to be leading out England at the World Cup and at home. Got his car overturned from Augusta win, that was it. So football can be very cruel. And look, people will talk about Matty Cash and the injuries. Look, I really genuinely want to believe, unless you're Roy Keane, which he documented in his autobiography. Nobody wants to go out and think, do you know what? I'm going to put one on him. I genuinely hope that. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping I may have just in a text saying, do you know what? Sorry to have you in. Sorry you got injured. You know, I heard about it. Wish you all the best. I think because you don't want that. But football is very cruel. You know, you can be, you're, you, every time you step out on the pitch, you are inches away from career and in tackle or you're inches away from a moment that will define the rest of your career. Either way. So yeah, I wish Matthew all the best. I suppose the good news is, is that there is no surgery. I think this would be something that would be done by physiotherapy and by everything else. There's no surgery, which is a very lucky thing. For an MCL injury, those generally you do tend to have surgery. So yeah. I'm no, that's a not- great shout, Shubes. It's it's 10 to 12 weeks instead of 16 to 24 weeks is what we're talking about. Yeah, no, it's it's it is a good point. And it sucks for him. Uh it sucks for the team, it sucks for him. It's just kind of a, a a shrug your shoulders moment. It's a, it's a it's a deep breath and a bummer all around. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of where we're at. Um, bummer for us too that uh, a peek behind the curtain here. Uh, Caroline couldn't get her Wi-Fi sorted out, so she's not going to be with us for the pod. But uh, we'll we'll definitely get her back on and and get a get an update new news with the women's team this week, and and we'll we'll get to that as well. But uh, let's continue kind of diving into this match though because. <laughs> And Todd, you kind of brought up the point early game. 
even earlier for us here on the West Coast, as you said, <laughs> I'm waking up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning to watch a, uh, a, a fucking shit show. And I, there, I think there's something to and look, I didn't do all of the research here about this, but there's something to these early Saturday starts that it seems like and I'm sure it's not just with Tottenham. I'm sure a lot of teams have this problem, but it seems like every time there's an early Saturday start, Tottenham act like it's an early Saturday start. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, uh, slow, slow to rise. It's uh, you know, it's and then what's interesting about it is like, I, I don't, I don't know. I was sitting there watching it, and they looked lethargic. It looks like for yeah. parents that are listening to this, it looks like when your kid had an eight a.m. game versus when your kid had a one p.m. game. That's what it feels like. And then they, and they played that way. They played like it was an eight a.m. match, and they hadn't had their orange slices yet. Like, or, you know what I mean. <laughs> And and I didn't think that this felt very much like Villa last week. Like it wasn't like no. Spurs were getting battered like they were in the first half against Villa because I really thought that Spurs were almost lucky to get out. We talked last week about the game against Villa and how Hugo Lloris was so big in the first half mm-hmm. and, and kept them in it. And it never felt like that against Brighton. Well, it was more, it wasn't that Brighton were were fantastic they were more just taking advantage of spurs being so lethargic right yeah and i mean like it, it, partially that but partially i i think it's unfair of us to do anything uh other than praise graham potter and his tactics for what they did against us and the reason why is because they knew we we knew that they weren't going to come in and score a bunch of goals right villa will take the game to you that's the way sure. they're designed Right. And this that's not what Graham Potter does. The biggest thing that I noticed in watching this is we had zero space. They were suffocating not only on the press, but they were suffocating on the outlets. Every single time we had somebody in the final third, they were double teamed. I I don't even know how you do that. All of the long switches went wanting. Like I felt, yes, it was lethargic to Conte's point. And I think this is very accurate. We did everything too slowly yesterday. Um, and no matter what it was that we were trying to do. So I think, again, that speaks to the lethargic nature of the team overall. But when you're being lethargic and you've got a team that's set up not to play into your hands, which is absorb some pressure on the counter and then get into the game on a break and kind of do what we do well, but just stay in your face the whole game, golly, that's exhausting. And we played that way. Well, and Conte made some comments after the match talking about being somewhat worried about what Brighton would be able to do them tactically. They, they saw it in the, in the previous weekend when, when Brighton did this pretty much the same thing to Arsenal. Um, and there's not a lot that there's not a lot of options, I guess that Conte has to change the team off the bench. There's not a lot of, we, we, this is a, a common thread that we've talked about for, for a while now. There's not a ton of Scott's of, of squad depth in, in Spurs. And there's some in some certain places, but there's not a lot that you can do tactically, I think, to change it. It's more about go out and execute, go out and do the job. And Spurs were not able to fully do that and fully compete in that way. Um, and it was kind of just a recipe for for disaster, I guess. Uh, you know, we're getting late in that match yesterday, and I thought, all right, a point is not disastrous here. You know, if they if they're able to get a, a, a scoreless draw out of this, that's that's fine, depending on what other results are. And, and that's and it felt like they on. played that way, Andrew. It felt like they yes. had that same moment. <laughs> yes. And and by the way, the other results is something that we're going to come on to because they were all very good this weekend, uh, other than the, the Spurs one. Um, but 
I, I don't know. It just felt like, all right, if you got if you got through that with a point, it'll be fine. For them to score the late goal and and take all three, it was just kind of like. I don't know, loud fart noise at the end of the game. It was just like, you know, that's the way it felt to me. It was just like, wow, what a, what an absolute, uh, you know, wet turd to go on top of this shitty morning uh, yeah. that, that we were all having, especially like I said, I'm going to continue emphasizing. It was really fucking early for, 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 for people like us on the West coast yeah. uh, for you and I to wake up. Uh, I've done those. I've actually done one of those. I've yeah. done, done one of those in San Francisco, which was horrible for so many reasons. But um, I don't know. Look, I've been to I've been to I remember like literally skipping a midday game because we played City and I thought we were actually slapped and we beat them four one, you know. And I've seen. I mean, I famously I remember like it was against Brighton we lost three 0 and that was a midday game. Famously, that was kind of the high pace and accelerated the end of the Pochettino era. Really, yeah. Was that yeah. game? But here's the thing. You know what? It's not. It's not, it's not as if like we're getting up at eleven eight o'clock and they, the other team are gonna get up at eleven o'clock. Both teams have to get up to play their game at the exact same time. So yes. I'm not going to put it as like, and it's not as if you haven't, it's not as if like, oh, um, they've been told very, very last minute, we're going to switch it to, it was, it was, it was at five o'clock, and we're going to switch all the way to They knew about it. You adjust your timings, you adjust your diet, blah, 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 if you need to be there for whatever time. And you do what you need to do as best you can. And that's just, that's what being professional is about. So, shoot, shoot, you you're 100% right about that and and that actually brings me to kind of kind of my next point. I I am really really disappointed in the effort and everything from yesterday and we see we see this kind of reaction on the internet all the time, you know, the this isn't acceptable blah 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 and I was I was in that mode yesterday. Like I was. I was this is a shitty performance and very very mad at the team and i went out and went out yesterday and got away and played a little golf and had a shitty round of golf and it, i just let it affect my whole day i'm glad that we're we're recording a little over 24 hours after the match because i've now like sat with it and let it go already because not only because of the other results around us and things still look look okay for spurs which again we'll come on to but you just got to have that mentality that, that the other team tries to like those, those guys go out there and, and, and put in an effort and they get paid and, and there's, there's an opponent out there. You have to go take it from them. Nothing's going to be given from you. And it's important to have that kind of perspective. And, and like you said, to your point, it, conditions are equal for both teams. It's not like Brighton were, you know, it's not like Brighton played later in the afternoon and had more time to rest and Spurs were playing earlier. Everybody was on the, the same pitch at the same time and same time kind of deal. Here's the thing, Andrew. I remember was back in the 2017 season, which is probably my favourite season watching Spurs, we barely beat Middlesbrough at home by a very, very, do- I would say dodgy penalty, but it was very, very close. And, you know, but it's one of those things where, do you know what? Sometimes you're able to eke out the win. Sometimes you can literally, as, as we found, I guess, the Villa found against us, they could batter the barn door against us and still concede. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why we watch football because. It's the emotion, it's the passion, and guess what? It's the unpredictability. It's not scripted, people. You know, it's not scripted in that someone's going to rush in and do a save or something like it is in pro wrestling. This is random. And yeah, do you know what? And do you know, people gave Eric Dyer a lot of shit saying, oh, that was poor defending. Yeah, would, would Eric Dyer be happy with what happened to him? No. But do you know what? That is some really good skill by Trossard. Very good skill. The yeah. movement, sharp placement. I mean, I mean, I was joking because I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky I get a chance to chat to Gary Stevens, ex player, also from Brighton, also played at Brighton as well. 
I mean, we jokingly called it Gary Stevens' derby. But you know what? We don't, you know, Potter was someone that we were linked with as a coach before we chose Nuno. We were linked with him as a coach. And Potter is someone that people don't realise, he's come up through the ranks. He was coaching in, I think, Sweden or some of that before he went to Swansea. He's paid his dues and he's been picked by clubs. I mean, Brighton picked him over Christian, who kept them up for goodness how, you know, that season because they were playing a method of football which they said, you know what, there's longevity from this. We can see, we can go beyond just about avoiding relegation. And yes, Brighton have had their moments where they've been, all oh, relegation could be here or there. But you know what? I haven't seen them being thought of being relegation threatened, apart from they had that really bad run. They lost six games in a row and they were, they were looking over their shoulder. So no, they, well, let's give some respect to Brighton. I don't think we do do that. You know, no, we, we don't do that enough. You're right. We don't credit other teams for, for good performances. And like I said, I, I, I think... I think a lot of this match was Brighton taking advantage of a lethargic Spurs, but they had to do that. They had to actually take that advantage and they did that and good for them and credit to them. And like I said, the other team tries too. that said, Todd, is there anyone on the Spurs side that you want to single out? Cause I, I, I went through yesterday and looked at the performances and there was no one, there was no one I could actually single out and said, well, at least so and so had a good performance. Or, or Hoybier was Hoybier. He, he was he was mid sevens. He was Hoybier. Uh, that's okay. what I expected. Um, and so I, you know, I want to give him credit for being him. I thought, um, you know, honestly, I think it's hard to criticize uh, the front three because they never got the ball, and and so that makes it that was tough for me because, like, you know, initially my head was like, where the fuck was Decky this whole match? Like, right was not shocked that Lucas came on. I thought the hardest thing for me in that respect was they weren't, it felt like they weren't getting the ball because I thought, and this is where I will really credit Brighton. Brighton just marked Kane very, very well. And when he was not able to drop into the midfield and collect the ball and then filter it out wide, like he normally does. Right. So generally speaking, when that happens, because they're obviously not the first team to double Kane, Right. Generally, when that happens is we'll see a little bit more time on the ball for our center backs. And then you'll see Pierre kind of pop in or or uh, Bentecourt kind of pop into these little spaces. What they were doing exceptionally well was uh, man marking our center backs on the ball. So we had zero time, super pressure focused. And so because of that. Um, it put us in a position to where we were relying on the creative genius of Eric Dyer to move the ball forward. And that's going to be a tough day. Uh, I I don't know, man. I, I, there are two things that I want to point out here and I think that they need to be said and they can't go without saying the first thing is, is that I think that the, uh, steady play of Ben Davies and the sensational play of, um, Christian Romero have covered up the fact that Eric Dyer is a very suspect in the box defender. I just want to say that. Hmm, it's that's just, interesting. I just want to say that. that the is amount of the, and I know Shubes disagrees, but the amount. First off, the man cannot the man cannot effectively head the ball to save himself. That's just that's my number one thing. The second thing is the amount of goals that we have scored in crucial moments where you look at the picture and it's the back of number 15 staring at the guy after being just roasted is a lot. 
it's a lot. Now, granted, you're going to be at the wrong place at the wrong time a lot when you're a center back and, and you're looking at those photos. So I don't want to I don't want to uh, discount that either. But yeah, the the only person playing closer to the to the mouth of the goal than than Eric Dyer is Hugo Lloris. So you're you're right. Well, it, I would disagree with that. Ideally, it should be, but oftentimes it's Christian Romero saving his ass. Now, in this in positionally, this it's is, supposed to be. I'm saying, yeah, I know, and that's kind of what I'm saying is that Eric Dyer is no stranger to getting caught out. And uh, I think we saw that on the goal yesterday. The second thing, and I want to move off of it because overall, I want to move off of that because that was a moment of poor play and he's had a few of them. But all all around, I feel like Eric Dyer has been super steady for us. I think this is clearly his best position. I think that he has, for the majority of the year, been our best defender. So I'll, I'll just say that as well. It's just... If I'm looking in a position where I would love to upgrade, I would love to see either Joey Rodon get some more time there. If if we actually think that he's going to be a guy to to make it with Spurs after the ribs have healed, or that we go out and actually sign somebody like a Bastoni or a Debris or, or whatever it is to to come in and do a job uh, or at least compete with Eric Dyer. Um, the, and then the last point that I want to make very simply is um, if I have to look at motherfucking Harry Winks coming off the bench again, and then us give up a piss poor low energy late fucking goal. God bless America! It's, as soon as he came off the bench, I was like, "Fuck, we're losing this game." The, when it wasn't Stevie B, when it was him, I was like, "Oh, Rodgers is gassed." Damn it, we're losing. That's exactly so, what I thought. So. I, I did want to come on to the subs, but it wasn't even specifically Harry Winks, which is funny. The, the one thing I'll say about your first point is it's 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 I love hearing you backhandedly praise Ben Davis for being so stable. Um, that makes me very happy. I just wanted to make that point. Uh, he has been upgraded from Mister. He has been upgraded from Mister. Six point four to Mister. Six point seven. All due respect. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, the subs were. The subs were weird for me, and and our good friend Dakota, uh, you know, and I went back and forth a little bit yesterday in the group chat about, the, not even about Harry Winks, it was about Lucas before Bergvine, um, which felt weird to me. It felt to me like if you're going to take Kulisevsky off, um, and I believe that's who he came on for. Am I wrong? Yeah, he, Lucas yeah, Lucas came cool. on, Lucas came on for Kulisevsky it felt like you were giving up a lot in terms of possession there because Kulisewski is someone who at least is at least calm on the ball and can, can, can possess the ball. And Lucas does the absolute exact opposite of that. Um, whereas he's going to have the ball for approximately three seconds before he loses it. Um, and that felt like a, a, a weird choice to me. I, I would have liked to see Bergvine come in before Lucas, see if you can get a little bit of possession and a little bit of um, more of a hold in the offensive end. And so that just, I don't know, it felt like a weird one for me. Um, and I am continually harping on how Lucas is good for, you know, coming at, coming at you and running at you and being, you know, frantic and, and changing games in that way. And I don't mind him coming off the bench, but in that spot there, I don't know that I loved it. Um, um, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I have my feelings on this. Shubes. What do you think? So here's the thing. I've looked at it so many times and a lot, I don't know, before so I'm looking, I'm like, why is Lucas coming on before Berber? I can't, couldn't work it out. And I like Lucas, but the job that he was being asked to do was to be using his pace and uh, tap the, the 
uh, right and left back. I've come who, who who that was, but I think Lampsy. it was it wasn't left. No, no, because because Lucas was playing on the right hand side, so he'll be packing the right. You know, their their left back. I think he was oh, going to attack the space behind Trossard. Actually, attacking the space behind Trossard, attacking their left centre back. And I almost think like Kukaracha for some reason. But um, he was um, he was attacking him. But you know what? Lucas is not Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon could do that for days and days. He would attack his fullback, do a drop of the shoulder, beat a man, pull across him. But guess what? Lucas can't do that. That's never been. Even the assist he got against, I think it was Newcastle, was like an accidental one. He ran into the player, the ball ran to Stephen Bergwijn. And, you know, so I don't, for me, and I'm not someone that, someone I follow on Twitter, follows me, doesn't hate Lucas, he's always ranting against him. I'm not a rant against Lucas, but he is one of those people that thinks, you know what, come summer, we need to improve that position because we don't have an answer. So when, because I, I said this, and I, and I, and I said my, my culpa about this, my hubris last week, I was saying, oh, I put our front three as Liverpool front three. And I do in some respects. When, when that front three is firing, it's good. What, what the Liverpool front three have, though, is that they can look over their shoulder and think, well, do you know what? If I'm not doing what I need to, what the manager wants, or if I'm not able to execute the game plan or whatever, I am coming off because there are two other players that can come on in my place. We don't have that. Lucas, and I, I like Lucas, I like Bergwijn, but the level drop is just too much. That's the first thing. Uh, well, I so I want to I'm going to jump in there. The reason why we didn't see Bergvine first is because Bergvine isn't a winger for Antonio Conte. Bergvine is is number nine. That's fine. Okay, so I've I've heard this point a lot, and that's fine. But but he can still play. I've made on this the point wing. a lot, by the way. I know. I, you're I know. Not, you're not wrong. Well, the reason why is because listen, we weren't getting the ball out to Decky. He was largely ineffective. So I think you drop Lucas deeper. You get him to pick up the ball. You get him to Lucas down the middle of the field and hopefully, you know, cause some chaos and we'll go from there. But the problem with that is that he brought on Harry Winks behind him. Right. So now well, you leave that entire problem. Well, that it, you leave that entire side exposed. And so this, this lo and ties, fucking behold, that's what happened. This actually ties perfectly in with what I was kind of talking about earlier. So the biggest problem that I saw yesterday was that Kane, like I said, was getting heavily marked, if not doubled really just swarmed in the middle and wasn't able to get the ball out, you know, wasn't able to drop deep and get the ball out wide to create space for, you know, in the middle for, for both he and for, for son and for, for, for Kulisewski. And when he's not able to do that, something like that, you need more play out of the wingbacks. And I felt like the wingbacks just left a lot to be desired. You know, they, they, they were not able to, to get the ball out to the out wide and, and overlap with, you know, with son and Kulisewski that that's a shame that's that's really you know we're not playing we, our best left wing back right now co- correct or i don't think our best right wing back frankly like I, I i when these guys are not able to have great games not able to to be on a, a a different level than than what their normal level is um and that goes for any of them I, hell i i even throw matt doherty in like if matt doherty was 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 able to play this game and was struggling which is obviously put, there's potential for that like if Kane is not able to distribute from the middle of the pitch, you need really, really good wingback play. If both of those things don't happen, you get a result like yesterday. The thing that that, that the thing that bothered me about the sub of Lucas yesterday was, and maybe I'm way off base on this, but I feel like Lucas is 
almost a defensive substitution. And I know that's going to sound weird to a lot of people because he's not a defensive player whatsoever. But he, when he comes in and you're up a goal or two and it's, you know, 20 minutes to go, he's going to cause so many problems on a press from a, from a, from an offensive standpoint. He's just going to be pesky as shit. And he's going to, you know, if, 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 if you have the ball, if, if I'm, if I'm Brighton yesterday and say I'm down a goal and I've got the ball and I'm trying to, 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 to play it out the back and move the ball forward. And Lucas is there and he's just running at me constantly and he's pesky. And he's like, like a, like a gnat that you're trying to swat away. That's going to cause problems, but he's not going to possess the ball. If you're down by a goal and, and create something in a way that I think Steven Bergvine has the capability to do. He Steven Bergvine has more of the capability to possess the ball a little bit and to, 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 to play off of someone else. Lucas gets lucky with that kind of, kind of stuff occasionally. But I think for the most part, Lucas is more, bring him in late to fuck shit up and cause problems. And it's almost like a, like I said, it's not a defensive substitution, but it's more of a, we need somebody to be pesky and annoying here. Let's bring him in and be pesky. Let him be pesky and annoying to create issues. And that, and having him come in for Kuliseski was, is such a, there's such a dichotomy there between the two type, two types of players that they are. It just, it didn't work for me. And, and it, you know, that's, I think that's the big criticism and and this is going back to Conte says he doesn't you know doesn't really have the parts to change things around that much and i get that but even those parts are not being utilized to me in in the perfect well, way i i, I sorry i think you had Sessignon, who could have come on for um um uh reggie and you had mark Marcel lavinia his young kid 20 i think he's 20 or 21 and yeah he's on the subs bench so do you know what if an injury had happened to Emerson, he would have to bring him on. Emerson wasn't doing the job, and I thought, look, I, Conte is forgotten in about in, in a, we'll again a minute more than I can ever know that football in a lifetime kind of thing. But for me, I think if your if your whole brand of football is so predicated on the fullbacks doing a certain job and they're not doing that, then why not change the fullbacks first? Yeah, you know, make that make that substitution. Bring on Sessegnon. Bring on Lavinia because. Lavinia, I don't know much about him, but I do know I have seen Sessignon play. He, he does so, play. He can play as a yeah. wing back. You're talking that. about you're talking about bringing in a kid though who has never seen a like that's that, he's never going to do that. Sessignon, I could see, and I don't disagree. So, well, Sessignon's the best left wing back we have. That's the that's my point. Is that and we're not playing. Well, I I agree with you to an extent. It's just the availability thing for him. It's it's the, fitness, the yeah. it's the fitness. It's constantly the it's always the fitness and the health with him. Um, and until he shows a string of that, you know, for at least half a season, I I can't completely buy into the idea that he is first choice anything. Just because I don't I don't, you know, it's my biggest criticism of him, and 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 I think it's a fair one. I, I hate to be so harsh about it, but until that guy can consistently play. Regan's certainly not doing it for me, and and that is a whole other can of worms. Um, well, open it. I, well, I, I, he's, I just don't think he's. I don't know that he's long for this. I don't know that that Reggian is is long for being a left wing back in an Antonio Conte system for any kind of amount of future. Is he a left back, and we're trying to make him more offensive than he actually is? Because is he, I, I think, I think you're opening up the Emerson Royale question on the right side. I think it's the same time. I think it's the same kind of situation. I don't disagree at all. Um, I think these guys are 
a left back and a right back rather than a left wing back and a right wing back. And sure, there are similarities in those positions, but there are enough differences that they need to be. And look, all of this goes to a Antonio Conte never had a preseason. Could he turn these guys into something more in, in the kind of role that he wants to play? Maybe, maybe all of those things get to be answered uh, going into next season. But from what I've seen in the time that Conte's had now, which is a, a decent amount of time, I don't see it. And, you know, uh, that's part of the reason that it's so weird for all of us that Matt Doherty was such a loss because we started to see it out of a guy like that, who well, obviously has a history of being a wing back rather than yes. a right back. And so to be fair, so has Sessignon. It's just that, like you said, to Correct. your point, that it's the availability issue. Now, what I'm saying is, you know, I don't I don't know if you caught any of this where Sessignon had uh, an interview that he gave um yes fill me in here uh about you know opening up about kind of the mental health things and that he's gone through and like uh you know talking with someone and the value that he found in that um which is great by the way Uh, yeah we're we're, all of us huge thumbs up huge advocate for for all of that absolutely and if you and if you you know just love your people by the way for for those of you listening right now just check in on your folks um but with Ryan Sessignon, I, I truly think that he is what we're cr- crying out for on that left-hand side. Uh, and it's just a matter of getting him in a consistent run of games. I think that's the truth. Because when the I, ball comes I, off I, his foot, I completely, I completely agree with you. Chance. I completely agree with you. And I feel almost, I, I don't know, I feel a tinge of guilt almost being so harsh on him for his availability stuff and for his his injury history. I'm not trying to be harsh on the guy these are just the realities of, you know, uh, you have to be available in order to, you know, you have to be able to, to be on the pitch in order to, to be a premier league player. And that is the, the toughest part about him is that he's so regularly getting hurt and all that stuff. And like I said, the, I hope he's able to, to, to come through and, and, and be good for us. It's just, it's a, it's a tough pill for me to swallow. And it's a tough thing for me to look at and say, yes, I can bank on this guy being there because I haven't seen it to this point yet in his career. Um, I want to move first with Spurs whisper. He was, he was a championship. He was a championship player of the year for Fulham. That's you you can't discount that. That's fair, but it's also, it's a different level and it's a, you know, I, I, I think that's a fair point, but it's a, it's a different level. And also that's a different, almost a different phase of his career entirely. Like you're talking about he, when he was what, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. But um, he did that as a left wing back. That's all I'm saying. I, I hear you. I hear you. I just, I want to see him kick on and, and do it at this level. I, I would love nothing for nothing more than that to happen. Sure. Um, I want to move us on to a conversation that I almost don't want to have because I think it's really, really stupid, but I, it, I think it just needs to be addressed. Um, because it's all over the internet and people on the internet are stupid as, as I've made very, very clear on this podcast, uh, all of you, every one of you, including myself and including the, the two of you, we're all stupid mm-hmm. on the internet. We're all mm-hmm. a bunch of dopes. Harry Kane went to the masters last Sunday after uh-huh. the win over Aston Villa. He attended the masters, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and then flew back to England. Bully for him. Congrats to him for being able to attend an event that I would love to do that the same thing one day. Um, mm-hmm. People are chalking this up to his less than stellar performance yesterday because he traveled last Sunday to the Masters uh, on his day off. Um, can we just Erron- erroneous causality runs rampant okay. after losses? <laughs> can, like I was going to say, Patrick, 
If he scores a hat trick, they'll, they'll say it's because of that. You know, it's bullshit. It's not as if he's he's on some budget airline or something. He didn't he didn't take a boat. He didn't take a boat over. He probably he probably do you know what he probably told us Conte because look if you're going those kind of distances and everything else you know especially with like you can say like COVID all other stuff I mean all the other stuff you have to go through he had to have got okay by the manager yeah and the manager could have said to him you know what you better read your game yeah sure you're not going to be doing anything for these two you've got so Sunday within the day day of rest maybe another day of rest and say Monday and say you know what as long as you're back by a certain time and you're feeling X, Y, Z. And it's not as if he was out there for like a week or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, are they there for your time? Your time, time like shifted or something. You know, it, it takes a while. I mean, I've been to you quite a few times. And so there are times where, do you know what? I've adjusted the time zones straight away. And there have been times when I've been really struggled to adjust the time zones. Now, and yeah, also, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. like he played in the fucking Masters. No, he and just the, went and oh, attended he, it and watched he it. Here's, here's he the other thing. No, you're right. He would want to, of course, but he well, didn't course, play. But... He didn't walk the course. Like, come on. No, but in, in, here's the other thing about this. So, uh, just contextually, is that again, and we've talked about this ad nauseum because um, <laughs> it's always we're, true. because because we're stupid people on the internet. Right, we are stupid people on the internet, but it's also true, and that's the like me bias. Is everybody views given situation and feels like basically everybody sees things pretty much similar to the way that they see things because they have no other context unless they choose to, right? So when everybody's thinking about this and talking about this, they're like, "Oh, footballer going over to the states, oh, you know, crossing the Atlantic and la da 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 da, doing footballer things, going to this and that." It's fucking Harry Kane. This is the most professional human being that we know of. That man went there probably on a Nike chart or a, a Nike PJ, just based off of the size of the check mark on his fucking chest. My days. Yep. Um, he he didn't do anything wild and crazy in that forty eight hours because oh I don't know he's fucking Harry Kane. He's like the definition of milk toast professional, right? You're not going to yeah. see him doing gas in a club, and so you know <laughs> it's something where give the man a stinking break. I, um, I was that was that mention, a bit of a shot? <laughs> no, I, I like like Shuban said too. You know, he probably had another day of rest Monday, and it's not like we played Tuesday. We played yeah. Saturday. There are Saturday. multiple days Saturday. in between where this guy could have come back to England, had time to recover, get back on. Like, and 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 I say recover, recover from what? Being in a different time zone for probably fourteen to to eighteen hours, like. Not a big deal, folks. Not and a big also, deal. You, you can sleep pretty comfortably on a private jet, from what I understand. I don't know. Well, from what I understand, that is the case as well. I wouldn't know personally, but I've, <laughs> I've seen photos and videos of things like that. Um, you know, I don't live that kind of lifestyle. I don't know about you, Todd. But, um, <laughs> but honestly, like, I, this is just this segment has been called Stop Being Stupid on the Internet, people. And that's, I, I think we can leave it at that. Like, I, sure. I I didn't even really want to address it that in depth, but we'd have now and stop being stupid on the internet people. That's, that's where we're going to leave it. Um, let's talk about this top four race because Spurs lost one nil and that sucked, but also um, every, everyone else kind of lost too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just want to jump right I just want to jump except, except United, except yeah, United. except that's United because we'll, we'll Ronaldo's going to Ronaldo. But this is, I have to say, um, the worst part of my day yesterday was about the hour and a half between our finish and the next kickoff where I just got to like run through all of the narratives in my head. of what was going to happen when all the other teams around us won yesterday. So the oh. fact that that didn't, Oh my God. 
I feel so bad. Be- I feel bad because the worst part of my day was when I made double bogey on the first hole and knew that it was going to be a long day on the golf course. Yeah, that's like a good shout. That that's that was like I I I literally put football so out of my mind yesterday after Spurs lost, and then when I looked at the scores later in the day, I thought, oh, not all is bad in the world. So as you mentioned, United beat Norwich yesterday. Okay, BFD. Arsenal lose to Southampton, yes. and then today West Ham draw with Burnley. So we're looking at this top four race and thinking, okay, and and here's you know kind of how it stands. Tottenham still have a three point gap. Now it's on United and Arsenal. Um, both of those two teams, by the way, level on points, level on goal differential. Arsenal still have the game in hand. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, West and Ham, also both of those both of those teams hot fucking garbage. Yes, West Ham. Uh, five points behind Spurs at 52 points, um, but they also have played 33 games, whereas Tottenham and United have played 32, Arsenal played 31. The look ahead to this week is really interesting because um, Arsenal are making up their game in hand, and it happens to be against a team called Chelsea, which is not going to be easy for them. Uh, they have to play away to Chelsea Wednesday. Also, United play Liverpool on Tuesday. That That ain't going to be easy for them either. Um, and then guess what? Next Saturday, Arsenal and United play one another while Spurs get to travel, uh, to Brentford, which I'm not saying will be an easy match, but it ain't, it ain't playing one of these teams that's in top four contention. So when you look at what is still on the table here, things are not that, I'm not going to say they're not that difficult because like I said, you would have expected Spurs to be able to beat Brentford yesterday. But it's all still out in front of of them. If, if Spurs want to go and take this thing, they still have everything out in front of them. Yesterday is not a disaster. Just like all of the potatoes on the internet told me a few weeks back that when they lost to Burnley, this was over. No, it's still not over. And not only that, Spurs are very much still in the driver's seat for this thing uh, with six matches to pl- for them to play. Um, so I guess that's where we put this. Todd. How we feeling? Because I feel pretty good right now, even after this loss. And granted, I needed the 24 hours before we started recording after the game uh, to, to, to get to that place but and to see the other results around us. But this weekend, it was not all bad, despite it being a, a 1-0 home defeat, right? I don't know what kind of fucking alternate universe we're living in where you are the glowing ray of sunshine. <laughs> but, um... I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. Man, uh, you know, I'm over here doing dad shit and uh looking around at things going, man, um, I'm just trying to count as many blessings as I have outside of football because that was utterly fucking miserable, buddy. And yeah. you know, looking around us, the only ray of sunshine that I that I found truly yesterday, as I mentioned, was um that uh Southampton did us a massive favor. Because yep. I don't know that I can go through this other seven days just hearing chirp, chirpity, chirp, chirp, chirp about that nonsense from down the road. So <laughs> it's fantastic that they're in free fall. And that makes me feel very good. It's also fantastic that West Ham, as I called out at the very beginning of the year, are going to West Ham as they do continually. Um, the United thing is a little tricky because, as we've learned, um, certain people on the planet can just take over games. Uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo is one of those people. And as we saw firsthand, first account, fucking popcorn ready, not too yeah. long ago. Don't don't love that. But don't yeah. love that. Uh, don't love that at all. Um, but I still feel like we're getting fourth. 
And I feel like we're getting fourth because um, we've yet to see, and this is just me, we've yet to see Harry Kane pop up and start scoring goals. And that was wild to go four games on the bounce with Harry not scoring goals. Yeah, there's probably so, still about five, maybe six of those coming this year in, in the six games remaining. Like, I, I would I would guess. You're guessing yeah. that Harry Kane does not score goals in five of the next six games? No, 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 no. I'm saying there's probably about five or six more coming from him in the next yes. five or six games. And this is what I'm saying, and we haven't seen that yes. pop up yet. So I still comp- I'm still confident that we're going to get fourth. There, there's a Leicester City game on here. You thought I was up. being negative there, and I'm still on I the did. positive. I was like, oh. <laughs> Um, I was like, what kind of juxtaposition is this? No, uh, I'm still here. I'm still like, like, keep this train rolling down the tracks, baby. Let's go. I like it. So that said, and and this is the, the reason why I feel good about it, Shubes, is because we've got, uh, uh, there's a Leicester City game on the schedule and Harry's going to let Casper out of his little cage <laughs> and he's going to let him stand and go with his gloves. And, and I always love the Pulp Fiction. I always love the Pulp Fiction vision you give us with the Casper Schmeichel, uh, you know, Harry Absolutely. I don't know the name of Harry Kane's pawn shop, but Casper Schmeichel <laughs> lives in a cage in the bottom of it. Um, so. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by Quentin Tarantino, but it might as well be. <laughs> Yet. Yet. So, uh, no, I'm confident that we've got fourth uh, upcoming. Uh, but what I will Still got to go get it, but, but I was yeah, gonna it's, say, it's there for the taking. What I will say is that we spoke a couple of weeks ago and we said, you know, it'd be amazing if we could win every game, but that's not realistic. We're going to drop points along the way. I think that with this type of egg that we laid yesterday, though, we're going to need to go get a result at Anfield in order to balance this out. So I I, I think that, you know, obviously, obviously beating Brentford is something that we need to be focused on and solely right now. And with the way that um, a special uh dane that i know of is doing nasty christian fucking erickson things for the bees um I, you know i'm not super crazy about that match uh by the way for those not playing at home christian erickson with a last minute winning assist for brentford yesterday to get that w um oh p.s uh that guy's reported to come home and kind of said he'd be about it so uh, but no, I, I think that we have to go get a result at Anfield. And I think if the rest of the games play out as they should, um, that we're, 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 you know, home and dry. Shubes, how you feeling? You feeling confident about fourth or you feeling down about it? Um, well, his thing yesterday. So as you guys don't know, I've got, um, torn, partial on Achilles. I'm stuck in doors most of the time. So I couldn't, I couldn't go out. And I thought, you know what? I could watch the Southampton, but I thought, you know what? Screw it. Just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Let's focus on what we're going to do. And here's the thing. I think I am definitely guilty of the hubris of, you know, thinking that you start to believe your own bullshit kind of thing. You just believe your own hype. I'm not saying they've done that. And I think Conte will allow them to do that. But I think this is a real reality check. I've seen, we saw how Southampton basically rebounded last week from, I think it was 6-0 or 7-0. They, they lost to Chelsea. And, you know, they beat, you know, you know the, the Goons 1-0. I think, you know, the, and there's no way Conte is not going to, He's going to be looking at that Brighton game because, you know, what Brighton did, I, I can't think of anything that's actually done that successfully to Harry Kane this season. I mean, we've lost to game, we've lost games, but under like, you know, where, you know, where he was so nullified, you got to bet your bottom, bottom dollar that. Do you know what? They hit a con- the video guys are going to be looking over that and pouring over that like Ash Craig. He's going to be hiring like, video analyst contractors in just to say, I want to look at this, focus on this. I've got a big game against Brentford. So I'm not even getting too down about it, you know? 
I don't know they we've got a week to prepare for um Brentford. I think Brentford, I'm not I don't know Brentford as well. Obviously, we know Ericsson, we know, we know James Tony and um and Breyer. Um, but you know what? I don't think they'll play as defensively. I'm hoping they won't, but they don't, you know. Um, and um, yeah, and they I think if memory says they play two up front, so they're gonna I'm not saying they'll leave like they're gonna be as aggressive and leave tons of space up front, but yeah, you 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 don't play Ericsson, you don't play the strikers they have if you're going to play that kind of defensive-minded football that, that Brighton clearly came, and which they're completely in their rights to do, you know? So, for me, I mean, obviously, Liverpool, they won yesterday. We, just, we spoke about it. They're going to be top and then United again. They're going to want to beat the shit out of United. And yeah. they have to, because otherwise, you know, that's their champions, you know. They're still chasing everything. They're still, uh, shit, they're still chasing a quadruple, I mean, at this point. I think if you look at Chelsea, I mean, obviously, you've got, they're, 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 obviously, they're out of um, the, the Champions League. The FA Cup uh, is all they've got left. And now, I think if I'm Tush on this, I'm saying, you know what? You want to be in the FA Cup final team? Show to me you should be in that yep. by you know, beating Arsenal. So, for me, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to count on other teams winning. I'd rather focus on our own business. But yep. ultimately, that's all you can do. You know, now, you know, and I'm thinking that, do you know what? I, I, I would like to think, I think, I, I think Hoybier, he's someone that apparently, I mean, he's you know, he's more of a fan than I am, but he's someone that does speak to the coaches a lot, apparently, after the games. He's someone that, he is basically, I think, a de facto captain without being the captain, without having the armband. I don't think, he, I don't think he's even vice captain or second vice captain. I think that's Harry Dyer that has that. But he is someone that I'm hoping that will say to the players, Do you know what, we need to look at ourselves because the manager will manage. But I think the players need to look at themselves and say, Do you know what? What went wrong? They need to say, do you know what? They need to go to the coach and say, what, what, what did we go wrong? What did we go wrong here? And go to and go to the gaffer and say, do you know what? Do you know what? I couldn't do this. This guy was doing that. How do we get around that? You know what I'm saying, admit the problem that you have. This is the problem. This, this, this by the by, you know, Harry Kane. I'm hoping I can go to and kind of say, do you know what? Players did this. When I try to do this, these players did this, and I struggled to cope with it. Can you figure out how I can deal with it within a team setting? And Conte is a problem solver. That's one of the things. I mean, we. I mean, I think Cecilia. I think that interview. I think that TC mentioned. Um, he spoke about how much time they spent. They spend doing tactical work. And that's something that was leveled against English England for years, and we still don't do it. We're near the level of tactical work that Italians do. And, and just to give you an example, um, Ravanelli. I, I don't know if you guys remember for a picture of Ravanelli. Is that someone you guys ever saw? So Ravanelli came from um, Juventus to England, played on Middlesbrough, and the training coaching was so poor here, he had to literally get people to fax him over training plans because that's how poor it was. And that's and then tact, training, tactical, all that kind of stuff. And that's what I'm saying in terms of what we're doing. I'm hoping that Bill goes, you know what, the player did this. You know, we have to do because you win as a team, you lose as a team. Last week, one of you won as a team. We lost to the team. Hopefully, how do you get it back by sorting things out together as a team? And I'm also hoping Conte does. Yeah, I feel you, man. Uh, at this point, I I feel like with six games remaining, Spurs can if Spurs can go out and get 12 points, get themselves to 69 points on the season. Nice. I, I think that's I think that's enough to get the job done at this point. Um, I think they've given themselves. You know, and and as long as you're not dropping, you know, as long as you're getting a point against Arsenal and a point against Liverpool, and not, you know, not dropping, 
too much against these other teams. I think that you're in pretty good shape with six games to play. It's a sprint now. Like at this point, it's it's not a run in. It's a it's a sprint in. Um, six games. Leave it all out there. That's that's kind of where they're at. And if you look at what has the, the point totals that have gotten you fourth uh, over the last few seasons, that number's actually been going down. I think 69 might be enough uh, for 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 where they're at. It was 70. Well, when we got our first fourth against Man City on the Champions League, I think it was 70 points. And that was that was that was a team again that shit the bed numerous times. Yeah. And that team had well, Bale didn't come until till till January or something. But that team had Luka Modric, had Levy King, obviously just playing around for a week. Yeah, Brown. and la- and and I'll tell you what, last year 67 was good enough, and and the previous year 66 was good enough. So. I really think that if you go and get 69 points at this point in the season, which again, get 12 points out of your last six matches. That's what you need. I think, I think personally, I think that's good enough, but we'll see well, how it all shakes out. I agree. I agree. I, and also just looking at the, like, I, I just glanced at the scums upcoming matches. Oh, it's, it's tougher than ours for sure. We, we I think we went Chelsea. over that like a week ago. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea United. Chelsea, Chelsea United, West Ham, just one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a battle for them. And and look, Spurs still like like we keep saying, Spurs still got to go out and take it. But uh, that's where we're at. Uh, this has been a fun, one, guys. We'll be back with you um, with a women's update from from Caroline next week. Hopefully, hopefully she can get her her, her Wi Fi sorted out. Uh, we missed her today. Miss Dakota, <laughs> Miss Scott, Miss Cat, Miss all them. Uh, they'll all be back with you here eventually. Um, and uh, we will be back after Brentford next weekend. So uh, Shuban is at the real Shuban. Todd is at TC underscore show. I am at ASEPCA. More importantly, follow us at Tottenham Depot, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Leave us a rating and review. Until next week when we chat at you after Brentford, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>